Well, the US share market might have been treading cautiously lately, but that's all out the window today because it's AI madness after the incredible results from NVIDIA last night. So what changes in the big picture? It probably doesn't change too much for Europe. And the PMIs yesterday showed soft results, but slightly better for the UK. So maybe they are out of a recession already. Today, retail sales for New Zealand. And that's just about it, really. But if you'd like to get your weekend kicked off by hearing lots of central bank speakers giving how they see things, then it's your lucky day today. It's Friday, the 23rd of February, 2024. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, after NVIDIA, the U.S. share market is bouncing back. At close, a 3% rise in the Nasdaq, 2.1% for the S&P, which is now back well over 5,000, and a 1.2% rise for the Dow. Uh, if we look just at IT stocks, they're up over 4.3% today, well ahead of the pack. And the Russell 2000 up 1% as well. A bit too much, all of that, perhaps? Well, in Europe, the Eurostoxx 50, it's up as well at 1.7%. At close, 1.5% for the DAX, just 0.3%. For the FTSE 100, we've seen a small fall in the US dollar. The Aussie is up 0.1% to 65.6 US cents. The pound up 0.2%, but really no big currency moves overnight. No big moves in bond yields either. Ten-year treasuries are where they were yesterday, down one in France and Germany, down one for Australian 10 years yesterday to 4.15%. On futures, a few basis points higher than that this morning. And oil pushing higher again, 0.6% up for Brent, around 83.50 a barrel. WTI is up 0.7%, almost at 78.50. So, interesting, uh, in the later edition of the Morning Call, because we revised it after the market close each day, we reported the better-than-expected uh, earnings and, and forecasts from NVIDIA uh, and how their share price at the time in uh, after-hours trade was strangely down on the news. Um, but that's a very different story today. So let's look at the share market festival. Here's NAB's Ken Crompton in Sydney, who was probably thinking he was going to have an, e- an early start to the day, you know, maybe a... Bit of a walk, Ken, get some breakfast, leisurely start, but here you are, filling in at the last moment. So you've got to get some brownie points for this, haven't you? Oh, I'm not sure. I guess I'll find out when uh, when I get to the office. But, um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> certainly, though, I mean... cheering you, Ken. <laughs> maybe. I mean, look, I mean, maybe one thing I can look forward to is a, is a rosy AI-driven future based off those NVIDIA results yes. you were talking about. Well, that, this is incredible. So if you look at the NVIDIA sales, or NVIDIA, I should say, their sales... It's like a hockey stick curve. If you saw it in a business plan as a forecast, you wouldn't believe it. So $22 billion last quarter, $24 billion forecast for Q1. Before Q2 last year, they weren't anywhere near $10 billion a quarter. So this is a seismic shift. But it's just the fact that this has been picked up and, you know, I mean, even clearly it's 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 impacting European stocks as well today because they've not been doing too well and all of a sudden they're up. Yeah, I mean, for those of us who are hoping that the um, that the end of the initial Bitcoin hype might mean slightly cheaper video graphics cards to run our flight simulators a bit faster, we've been left uh, disappointed <laughs> by the AI revolution there. But um, yeah, I think it was about a 265% uplift or something along those lines in, in video revenue. So that little bit of fear that was um, pervading through equity markets and markets more generally ahead of the close yesterday yeah, obviously proving to be pretty unfounded. I see the you know the Nasdaq up you know two point eight as we're as as we're talking now. So it's clearly pretty solid. But that's yeah that, that is flowing through to risk appetite everywhere, and um, you know we. I mean, record highs across equity markets have been um, have have been sort of the du jour over the past little while. But interestingly, Japan joined that club yesterday as well. So the the Nikkei actually lifted through its uh, its previous record high in 1989. So even even Japan is in the record high equity club now. Wow. 
So what does, I mean, because the Fed, obviously, they don't like things when they're going too well. So uh, is this pushing back expectations of uh, of rate cuts? I mean, Treasury yields are higher, but not by that much. Yeah, we heard a five-point sell-off overnight in two-year Treasury, so the yield there lifting a few basis points. Um, that's actually back to the high, the highest level since that Fed meeting in December, about 4.7%. I think pricing for the Fed cuts this year overall, uh, we're now back to around 80 basis points. So if you think back mid-January, a little, a little, even a little bit after that, um, we were pricing uh, well, cl- much closer to 200 basis points of cuts for this year. So you know, the the markets um, has obviously. I I think there's been a little bit of being receptive to the message from the Fed, just hammering on the point that they're not going to be sort of jumping too panicky at um, at softening inflation, or more to the point that they're going to hold the line and 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 wait for better data there. And also, it's just the the real data flow in the US. Um, yeah, we've strong data flow through the course of January, still there now. Yeah, jobless claims overnight back down to 200k. You know, now that's probably not a Probably not the start of a of a rollover or a downward trend in jobless claims. We don't think, but um, but yeah, but there's yet another data point there amongst a bunch of others overnight that shows the the U.S. economic rollover, at least in the, the U.S. inflation is rolling over, but U.S. growth is is certainly not. Well, those jobless claims have been falling, haven't they? Through this is the third week in a row, actually. So I mean, you know, it's not not necessarily a trend, but I mean, they, they are obviously a lot lower than they were in the middle of last year. So is that something to worry about, or? You know, can we can we claim it as a victory for a soft landing? I think it's it's certainly in that category. Yeah, um, I mean, look, there are other indicators out there that um, that are being pointed to that do point towards the job market. You know, obviously continuing to soften a little bit around the edges, but certainly you know those jobless claims you know aren't one of them. So um, yeah, there's, you can argue about seasonal factors and volatility in the week to week data. You know, there is going to be um, you know, if you look at the small business survey, the NFIB survey. You know, we did see in there recently hiring tensions in there are, are falling away. Um, yeah, there's always been a bit of tension between challenger, layoff data and initial claims. That's still not been resolved so far. So there's a few sort of signs of, of weakness there, but, but nothing calamitous, I think, is the key thing to yeah. grab to. Right. We need to talk about uh, Europe, Ken. So, uh, you know, there's this expectation that they are going to start cutting middle of the year. But PMIs yesterday, big fall for manufacturing uh, in Germany, so from 45.5 to 42.3, so heavily into contraction territory. I mean, it had been steadily climbing since last July, but that stopped. So purchasing managers obviously a little less optimistic and uh, expecting the contraction that we're seeing to get worse. Yeah, so whether there's still some continued hangover from the the slow recovery in China there, I mean, look, maybe that's a continued factor, but there's certainly plenty of endogenous factors in Europe that support that um, support that as well. I mean, looking at the overall European number, we actually had that the services measure there actually jump back to a, to a neutral fifty. That was a bit un, bit unexpected, and I mean, in teasing apart the detail between countries, um, you know, Gavin's done some work on that overnight for us. But um, you know, his his key takeaway there too really was to point out that if you look at that overall eurozone number, for the most part, you're looking at weakness in in France and Germany, obviously you know, big parts of the economy over there, obviously. But um, that's really offsetting um, expansion in places like Spain, Italy, Ireland. So there's um, yeah, there is sort of a, a divergence and the yeah. UK, well, yeah, and then and the UK, yep. Yeah, that's, that's 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 the other big one. Yeah, because the because the, the the UK manufacturing, I mean, it didn't punch any lights out; it's still below fifty. But uh, but services was expected to fall, and it didn't. It's stuck at fifty four point three. So that's you know healthy number, and it's now the highest spread against Europe. The composite number, the highest spread against Europe since Q two two thousand and twenty two. 
So, you know, there's, I mean, they are supposedly in recession, but it looks like it's a short-lived recession. They might already be out of it in the UK. Could well be. I mean, I, I don't have any um, sort of sort of forecast myself on where, on where UK growth is going in that sense. And I mean, interestingly, I mean, I'm more looking at bond markets being a rate strategist. You know, rate, rates markets that sort of haven't picked up on that divergence you know, too much overnight. So relatively, relatively similar moves across across gilts and bonds. So not not too much reaction in the short term though. Right, but hey, business confidence in France scored 100 yesterday, the highest since uh, July. So. You know, 100's good, isn't it? It's neutral. It's not good or bad, actually. It's neutral. But neutral in Europe is good right now because it's not bad. So, uh, you know, got to be happy about that. Uh, and no change to the core inflation rate in the final read either. Down 0.4% month on month. The core is up 3.3% year on year. And we had the ECB accounts yesterday. Um, no surprise there. Not much market reaction either. So uh, they did say, though, the risk of cutting policy rates too early was still seen as outweighing that of cutting rates too low. So I do wonder, you know, getting back to my original thought, is it realistic to expect that they are going to do something in the middle of the year? Yeah, because I mean, even within some of the the, the comments in the, in the minutes, I mean, it said there was a broad consensus that it was a little too early to be discussing rate cuts. Um, you know, you probably wouldn't have guessed that that line would be in there if you'd um, been listening to comments from, um, you know, from, from, from the Guard. Um, there's been other sort of ECB council members who put relatively explicit dates on when rates would need to be cut by. Okay, to be fair, most of those have been have been June, some have been a bit earlier, but and some have been later as well. So I guess you can argue about what a broad consensus means, but um, clearly there does seem to have been a little bit more debate around the table than I would have thought would have been the case based on, um, yeah, based on those numbers. So, I mean, they also commented in there that there was only limited indications of a wage turnaround. So, you know, we, we, we do know that as well. And um, yeah, that, I guess that's something that we're sort of looping back to in Australia as well. You know, the wage price index started out here yesterday, oh, sorry, on Wednesday, which you, which you talked about yesterday. But, um, you know, that's not, um, that's not rolling over particularly quickly either as compared to, um, you know, sort of slightly more, slightly faster um, wage rollovers in, in places like the US. So Europe's not seeing that too much either. So just finishing off on PMIs, and I know we, you know, there's less focus on the on the PMIs in the US because obviously we rely more on the ISMs, but they um, but they did fall further than expected. So from from uh, for services, from 52.5 to 51.3, manufacturing actually went the other way. So and and rose a bit. So maybe a bit of rebalancing happening in the US, which is not necessarily a a bad thing, is it? If we see the pressure coming off the services sector and manufacturing starting to pick up, you could actually argue, well, you know, that's exactly what we want right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the the broad post-pandemic story has been volatile swings between goods consumption and services consumption. Um, It's it's sort of been the service the services recovery has been in play for a while now, and yeah, absolutely, that that could well be the case. I mean, you know, reopening was a long time ago in the in the US now so it does make sense that you should be seeing some sort of return to to normal trends and um, yeah reality that that sort of helps play into um, some of the inflation normalization picture as well well today uh, we get uh, retail sales for New Zealand for Q4 Q3 was flat uh, sales were down 3.4 percent year on year yesterday we saw credit card spending down 0.3% year-on-year in January. So that's not painting painting a very rosy picture. We saw Seek job ads published yesterday as well, showed ad volumes increased in January for the first time in five months, albeit uh, I think it was only a 1% increase, but it's still down 24% year-on-year. 
So I'm not quite sure where you put all of that together. So, you know, uh, the, the labor market uh, not really moving, shifting a, a great deal uh, and retail sales not moving a great deal. What does, what does this do for RBNZ thinking and what are we expecting in retail sales today? Uh, I think NAB, oh, sorry, not NAB, um, our BNZ colleagues have got expectations of another sort of slight negative print uh, for retail. For, and this is real retail sales. So this is the quarterly number. That's, that's this, is, this is straight volumes. So um, our our BNZ colleagues do have a slight negative number expected, and I think um, if that's realised, that's going to be the uh, I think the seventh or eighth consecutive quarter of a flat or negative real real retail sales volumes growth in New Zealand, and, yeah, and putting together putting that together with some of the other um, pictures you've, um, you've you've painted there from from New Zealand data, it really does make it um, sort of even more difficult to. to to have a to have a view next week that the RBNZ is likely to tighten. I think no matter where you look across the data, um, there's there's weakness everywhere. Sure, there's a couple of um, maybe there's a couple of sort of small rebounds and, and that sort of thing. But with um, flat data we're getting expected today, I just can't see too much expectation of um, of, of things changing too much for the, for the RBNZ next week. Um, but I guess, like just we've seen with the R- the ECB doing a bit of jaw boning in their minutes, the the RBNZ will be pretty keen to, to maintain that uh, that stiff uh, that stiff jaw bone, so to speak. I think <laughs> <laughs> right. to, to, to mix my metaphors. Uh, Exactly, stiff upper lip. Right, okay, well, uh, other than New Zealand retail, uh, we've not got uh, a lot today, have we? But we have got a slurry. I'm not quite sure if that's the right collective noun. Sounds right. A slurry of central bank speakers. So we've got Cook and Kashkari and Waller and Harper from the Fed. We've got Schnabel and Lochnick from the ECB. Actually, Schnabel is talking twice, so we'll see whether she changes their mind from one appearance to the next. But otherwise, it's pretty light on today, isn't it? Yeah, it is a relatively uh, relatively light calendar. I mean, I guess possibly out of deference for those in um, Australian markets or Sydney markets who are, who are attending Taylor Swift tonight. Maybe that's why there's a light data calendar. I'm not sure. But um, but yeah, there's not, not too much in terms of <laughs> specific data to watch, but I guess watch on Monday for the uh, flash reports on Taylor Swift merchandise sales and the impact of that on um, February retail sales. This- data adjustments, there might be a few <laughs> early reports on that, I suspect. Seasonal adjustments. Yeah. All right. You heard it here first. All right. Very good. Good to talk, Ken. Thanks for standing in the last moment. We'll catch you very soon. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And all this excitement that we had about shares. I mean, the share market doing well now in the United States. uh, But what about shares and other asset classes if we have another Trump term of office? People that I speak to on the buy side and the sell side seem to think that if he were to come back, stocks would be fine, actually. You know, he would cut a lot of corporate taxes, most likely. Um, you know, yes, if you're a big importer that and you could be stung by tariffs, then you've probably got a problem. If you're in the green industry, you could probably have a problem. If, you, if you've got a lot of exposure to China as a US corporate, then yeah, you're likely to have problems. But broadly speaking, my expectation would be that stocks would be fine. The FT's Katie Martin joins me on the weekend edition later today to talk about Trump 2.0. Are the markets ready? And what changes? And actually, what changes even if we don't see Trump back in the White House? That's this afternoon on the Weekend Edition. Join me for that. And then back on Monday, of course, for the morning call. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Thanks for listening.